Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. <laughs> what a miraculous day that was. You can be seated with me this morning. Oh, there's so many stories I could tell you about Jesus. There's so many stories I could tell you about Jesus. So many things, so many miracles. So many things that Jesus did. Oh, what a miraculous day. The resurrection day. The resurrection day when I ran into this tomb and I saw for my own eyes, Jesus. Jesus had been resurrected. Jesus had been raised from the dead. I'll never forget. I'll never forget my first experience with Jesus. I'll never forget the day we were at the Jordan River. My brother Andrew and I were at the Jordan, and John the Baptist was there baptizing people. He was preaching and teaching. And all of a sudden he said, Behold, and pointed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I didn't know what he was talking about, but in came Jesus walking to the Jordan River. And he walked to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said again, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, whose sandal I'm not even worthy to untie. And he baptized Jesus in the Jordan. And the Spirit of God came on Jesus in the form of a dove and and a voice. Oh, that voice. I'll never forget the voice from heaven. Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, those, those words, the word from God that day over His Son, Jesus. I'll never forget hearing those words. Andrew, my brother, came running up to me and said, Simon, Simon, this this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. And he brought me to Jesus. And when I got in front of Jesus, oh, I'll never forget the way that he looked at me. Those eyes those eyes of compassion, those eyes filled with love, those eyes that pierced my very being. Oh, and he said, Simon, son of Judah, you'll be called Peter. Oh, I didn't understand what that meant. I had no clue what Jesus was talking about, that I would be called the rock. I didn't understand what Jesus could possibly mean. But oh, later, later I would fully understand what Jesus was talking about. There were so many miracles, so many things that Jesus did. I could go on and write books about Jesus and all that he's done. One in particular, one, 
one teaching in particular that Jesus always taught us. He said, freely you've received, freely give. I didn't fully get that when he taught it, but now I really do get it. He, and he always said, when you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'll never forget the day Lazarus was raised from the dead. Oh, what a day. What a day. Jesus, Jesus was standing at the tomb entrance and yelled out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. When he said that, I felt like the ground itself was going to shake loose. I thought every dead person around might get out of the ground. When Jesus said, come forth, there was an anointing and a power in his voice. And here comes Lazarus, all wrapped up in grave clothes, jumping out of the tomb. Oh, and Jesus looked at us and said, you unleash him, let him, let him go, untie him. You know, the funny thing about it is he didn't even stink. <laughs> he had been dead for so many days. I thought that he would smell, and he didn't even smell. Oh, he had the aroma of Christ on him. He had the smell of resurrection power on him. Oh, I still remember that day. One of my favorite miracles. Oh, one of my favorite was the night that I walked on the water with Jesus. Uh, oh, we had been out ministering. Jesus had been teaching the multitudes. I mean, 5,000 or more people were, were, were sitting along the mountainside. And Jesus had been teaching all day long. We were exhausted, and the people were exhausted. And I said to Jesus, Jesus, we need to let these people go and let them go eat. I mean, surely they're hungry. And Jesus looked at me again with those eyes of compassion. Oh, he was moved with compassion for the crowd. And he looked at me and he said, you feed them. <laughs> Jesus, how am I going to feed 5,000 people? Oh, and there was this little boy. <laughs> he had five fish. He had the fish and the bread. He had the loaves of bread and the fish. So I took it to Jesus. I said, Jesus, this is all we have. And Jesus began to break the bread and the fish. And we started to serve the people. We started to give them fish and bread, fish and bread, fish and bread. And before long, we realized, oh my goodness, where is all this food coming from? We're feeding all these people. And it keeps multiplying and keeps multiplying. Even so much so that we had basketfuls of fish. We only started out with a few, but we had basketfuls left. It didn't make any sense. And so Jesus said, after we fed them, he said, y'all go on out. You go on out and I'll meet you on the other side of the lake. So we got in our boat and we set sail across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. 
as he usually did. We were in our boat, and all of a sudden, about 3 a.m., the wind started blowing. The waves started rocking our boat. I thought, surely, this might be the end of our boat and might be the end of our lives. And all of a sudden, we looked out across the lake, and we thought it was a ghost coming out, out at us. And we all started to fear at this, this shadowy figure in the storm and the mist. And Jesus said, it's I, don't be afraid, it's me, don't be afraid. And I said, Jesus, if it's you, call me out on the water. I want to walk out there with you. And Jesus said, Peter, come on the water with me. Before I realized what I was doing, I was stepping out of the boat. And my foot, I'll never forget when my foot hit that water. In that moment, I wasn't walking on waves. I was walking on something supernatural. It felt like something was under my feet. Something was holding me up. Even though I should be sinking, I was standing on water. And I started to walk with Jesus. And I walked with Jesus. And in that moment, in that moment, it was like all eternity just stopped. And it was me and Jesus. It was me and Jesus walking on the water. He was walking towards me and I was walking towards him. And oh, his eyes. His eyes of love. His eyes of compassion. And I walked with Jesus. Then all of a sudden I realized what I was doing. I was walking on water. And I realized the storm around me and the waves around me, and I began to sink. I was drowning, but as soon as I started to drown, as soon as I started to sink, I realized Jesus was pulling me up out of the water. Jesus pulled me up. Jesus pulled me up out of the water, and we stood there together on top of the waves. And I thought for sure he was going to judge me. I thought for sure Jesus was going to condemn me. I mean, after all, I was sinking. And those eyes of love just penetrated my soul. And he said, oh, Peter, you of little faith. And he helped me back into the boat. You know, I learned a valuable lesson that day. I learned that Jesus was the ruler of all creation. There wasn't anything that Jesus could not control. I learned in that moment that there was nothing that came up in my life that Jesus didn't have power and authority over. I learned in that moment that nothing I faced, Jesus couldn't handle. I tried in my own strength to stay on top of the water, and it just wasn't possible. But I knew in that moment, if I could just trust, trust, trust in Jesus, everything was going to be okay. One of the other miracles that I'll never forget, Jesus had just been ministering for a short amount of time. And as Jesus did, he had been teaching the crowds and the multitudes followed him down to the lake. And Jesus 
God, in my boat. There was a lot of boats there that day. We were on the shore. He could have gotten in anybody's boat, but he had to get in my boat. He had to come in my boat that day. And he looked at me and said, Peter, why don't you set out a ways from land that I could teach the people? And he began to teach. And when he had finished teaching, he turned to me and he said, Peter, why don't you set sail, launch out into the deep, go out into the deep waters and let down your nets for a catch. (laughs) I laughed because we had been fishing all night long and caught nothing. Jesus was crazy. And I said, Jesus, we've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. See, James and John, they're, they're friends of mine. We've been fishing all night and have caught nothing. But at your word, we'll launch out. And that's what we did. We launched out. We launched out into the water. And we let down our net on the other side of the boat. And all of a sudden, we had a net-ripping, boat-tipping catch of fish. I mean, there were so many fish. I had to call James and John, the sons of Zebedee, over to help me with the, with the haul of fish. And we loaded them in the boat and made our way back to the shore. As a result of my brother Andrew bringing me to Jesus, I was able to bring James and John, the sons of Zebedee, to Jesus. They later became disciples also because of that miracle. I'll never forget that day. It wasn't about the fish. We were fishermen. It wasn't about the fish. It was about the power of God being revealed through this person of Jesus. Changing our lives. We gave everything to follow Jesus. We gave everything. My house became the headquarters at Capernaum for Jesus' ministry. My mother-in-law was healed. The week of leading up to Jesus' death, it was so stressful, so dramatic. There was so much teaching. There was so much that happened in six days. It was unbelievable started off, we went to Bethany and had dinner with Lazarus. Oh, what, what a meal that was. We were eating with a dead man. <laughs> that was pretty exciting. The man that had been dead was now sitting at the table with us, sharing a meal together. And then comes Mary, his sister, and she starts pouring out this oil on Jesus' feet. Oh, the smell filled the room. (laughs) I still smell it today. It was so strong. So special. The perfume that she had bought, it had to have cost a year's wages for her to even buy it. It was so costly. And then Jesus said something that we didn't understand. He said, she saved this for the day of my burial. 
What did he mean that that she had saved this for the day of his burial, that Jesus was going to be buried? We didn't understand what he meant. Later, we rode into Jerusalem. He was on a donkey. Wow, what a day that was. People had come out from everywhere waving palm branches. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! Blessed. And everyone was shouting. Everyone was yelling. And we were just lost in the commotion. The disciples, we were just lost. We didn't understand what that meant. Hosanna! God, come save us. God was to come save us, Hosanna. And after the journey by donkey, we came to the Passover meal. We were all sitting around the table in the upper room. And as we're sitting there, none of the disciples got up to wash anyone's feet. But all of a sudden, Jesus moves back from the table. Jesus moved back from the table. And he took up the place of the servant and began to wash our feet. He came to me. I said, Jesus, no. I ought to be serving you and washing your feet. Please don't wash my feet. They're filthy. I've been walking. We just walked through the town. And no, Jesus. And Jesus looked at me with those eyes. Oh, those eyes. And said, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. I thought, Jesus. Wash not only my feet, but wash my hands and my head. I don't want to hear that ever again. And then at the table, Jesus says, One of you is going to betray me. Betray you, Lord. Which one of us would ever betray you? We've given everything we have to follow you. Why would we betray you? I said, Lord, on the side at me and John, I said to, I said to Jesus, Jesus, who's going to betray you? And he said, it'll be the one that I dip this bread with and give it to. Jesus took his bread and he dipped it and he handed it to Judas. We didn't know that Judas was betraying Jesus. Jesus had sold my Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Mary had brought this expensive oil that had cost her a year's wages. And poured it on Jesus' feet. But Judas was willing to betray Jesus for only 30 pieces of silver. Judas got up from the table and he left the room. And Jesus began to teach us. 
he began to talk about things like the Son of Man must be lifted up. And when the Son of Man's lifted up, he'll draw men. He started to talk about darkness coming in the world. I didn't know what that meant. What do you mean, Jesus? You've got to be lifted up. We thought Jesus was going to be our conquering king. We thought Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and be our king. Oh, but I learned that day that Jesus' kingdom was not an earthly kingdom. He wasn't coming to establish a kingdom on this earth. He was coming to establish his heavenly kingdom. I didn't understand it, oh, but I fully get it now. He began talking about, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. For were it so, I wouldn't have told you. Behold, I go and I prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you. To myself, that where I am, you may be also. I didn't understand. Jesus, you're going to build us a home? Thomas didn't get it at all. He was always the first one to doubt anything Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He started talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, it's to your advantage that I go so that I might send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you another advocate who will be your advocate before God. He will empower you for ministry. He'll lead you into all truth. Why would Jesus have to go? And who is this Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit would have to come and empower us. That the Holy Spirit would have to come. That the Holy Spirit would be just like Jesus. We didn't understand. And then, in the middle of all of this, Jesus starts to say, I'm telling you these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy may be full. Wasn't quite a joyous time for us right then. Jesus was telling us he was leaving. It wasn't a joyous occasion, but here he is telling us that if we abide in him, if we stay in him, Jesus, how are we going to stay in you? You're leaving. How are we going to abide? And I began to learn. And I understood that the Holy Spirit was going to enable us to abide in Christ, to continue this relationship. And that the joy of God in my life was going to produce Jesus fruit. My life was going to start to look like Jesus. My life could look like His. Wow. And then in the middle of the teaching, in the middle of all of the teaching, and all that happened, Jesus stopped. And he looked to heaven. And this supernatural peace came over him. 
And he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Now I'm no longer in the world and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be as one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those who you gave me, I have kept them. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, so that Scripture might be fulfilled. Father, sanctify them in your truth. In that moment, I realized Jesus was praying for me. In Jesus' final hours, he was praying for me. I was a gift from God to Jesus. And he was thanking his Father for my life. He was thanking God for me. He was praying that you and I might be one as Jesus and the Father are one. At that point, we all got up from the table and Jesus led us out to the Mount of Olives. We went out, it was late at night, and Jesus sang a song. Jesus sang a song over us at his point of death. In his final hours, Jesus was singing over us. Oh, I'll never forget that sound of heaven as Jesus sang. Jesus went off a ways, and he began to pray. The rest of us fell asleep. We were tired. It had been a long week of ministry. We had ate. We were exhausted, and Jesus was off praying. At one point, he woke us, and Jesus was sweating drops of blood under the agony of what was about to happen. He said, can't you just pray with me for a while? I didn't understand what he was even talking about. I thought it was just another night. Jesus had taught us. He had been saying crazy things, but he had arrest warrants out for him. We weren't sure if we were going to be arrested with him. We didn't know what was happening, but Jesus. And then we heard the soldiers coming. We heard the, the, the soldiers in the distance, and they came up to Jesus. And Judas came, and he kissed Jesus on the cheek. And one of the soldiers, one of the soldiers in that moment said, We look for Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus said, I am he. And when he did, every soldier that was standing in front of him fell to the ground under the power of God. I realized something in that moment. 
Jesus' life wasn't being taken from him. Jesus was freely giving it. In that moment, he had the authority, one word, and all of the soldiers fell before him. I knew in that moment, Jesus was laying down his life for me. They led Jesus off, and, and they, they took him away, and I was, I was fearful. I didn't stay with the crowd, but I, I kept close enough that I could hear what was happening. And they led him into the high priest's courtyard. <clears throat> and I came into the entrance, and I stood in the entranceway as they bound Jesus, and he was standing there. And there was a little servant girl standing there, and she said, You, you were with Jesus. And I said, No, I, I'm not with, her, with him. I, I did not come with him. And I backed away and I found myself at this fire pit where some officers were warming their hands. One of the officers looked at me, said, you were with Jesus. I said, no, I was not with Jesus. And then I backed away and, and one of Malchus, the guy, I cut off his ear and Jesus healed. And I backed away. One of his relatives was standing there and said, you, you were with Jesus. I said, no. And I cursed that I even knew him. I denied that I even knew who Jesus was. And in that moment, I heard the rooster crow. And my mind raced back to what Jesus had said. He said, before the night's over, you will have denied me three times. The rooster will crow. And in that moment, I looked and Jesus was looking right at me. Those eyes of love. Those eyes of compassion. I had betrayed Jesus and he saw me. And he looked at me not with judgment. But he was looking at me as he always did. With love. They led Jesus. They led Jesus away. I was so fearful. I didn't even go. I stayed away. They crucified my Jesus. They crucified him on the cross. They beat him. He was absolutely innocent. But he was laying down his life for me. Me. The one that betrayed him. He laid his life for me. I went back home. I was so afraid. I went back home. And then one day, three days later, Mary comes running. And gets all of the disciples together and says, Jesus, his body's gone. His body's not in the tomb. We went, to, we went to put spices on his body. He's not there. The stone was rolled away. And these angels were there saying, why do you look for the living among the dead? I took off running. 
I took off running. I wasn't sure if the Romans had moved his body. I wasn't sure if the Jews had moved his body. I didn't know what happened. But I had to go see for myself. You see, the man that I served, the man that I gave my life for was dead and gone. I gave everything to follow him. And I ran to the tomb and I went in. And there was the grave closed, but no body. We were all afraid, the disciples. We were all afraid. We thought that they were going to come. The Jews were going to come and arrest us for moving the body of the Lord. We thought they were going to start telling everybody we had moved his body and started telling stories about our resurrection. So we went back to the upper room and locked ourselves in the room. The doors were locked. We were all sitting there afraid. We were all afraid. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared in the middle of the room. Jesus, the one that I knew was dead and gone, was standing in the middle of the room in front of us and said, don't be afraid. Thomas even touched the holes in his hand, his feet, his side. Later, I went back to fishing. I thought Jesus would never let me do ministry again. I denied I ever knew him. And so me and some of the disciples went back to fishing. One day we were out on the Sea of Galilee. We had been fishing and caught nothing. And we saw a man on the shore and he said, have you any fish? We shouted back, no. We were exhausted. And he said, cast your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So that's what we did. And as soon as the net hit the water, it filled with fish. In that moment, in that moment, my mind raced back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. One of the very first miracles I'd ever seen, Jesus said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And our net was filled with fish. My mind raced of all of the moments I had had with Jesus, all of the teaching, all of the experiences with him. And I realized in that moment, this was my Jesus. This was Jesus on the shoreline. And John looked at me and he said, Peter, it's the Lord. And before I could even realize what I was doing, I was jumping over the boat and took off running across the water. It seemed like I was running on the water again with Jesus. And I got to the shore. And Jesus restored my life. He restored me to ministry. I thought I could never be used by God. I thought I was hopeless. And Jesus restored me. He restored my life. I went on and became the leader of the New Testament church in Jerusalem. 
I took a stand and the day of Pentecost wrote books in the Bible. I want to say to you today that Jesus can restore your life. I thought I could never be used by God. I thought he would never accept me. Jesus can restore you today. He's alive. He's alive. Jesus is alive. He's sitting right now in heaven praying for you. He's praying for you right now in this very moment. Jesus is praying for you. And he wants to restore your life. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Jesus. Jesus, I pray even as you prayed on that night. Father, sanctify them by your truth. Lord, I pray that the reality of your truth would be alive for each of my friends this morning. Just like you restored my life, you could restore their life. This morning, I don't know about you. I don't know where you find yourself this morning. But Jesus wants to restore your life. Jesus wants to be as real to you this morning as he is to me. Jesus wants to be as real to you as he is to me this morning. He's not just another story. I've seen him with my eyes. I've seen him myself. It's not just a story in a storybook. Jesus is alive, and he wants to restore your life. You might think this morning, well, I've got it pretty good. I thought the same. I was a pretty successful fisherman. I was good at what I did. Had a whole business around fishing. Had partners in fishing. But the day I met Jesus, everything changed. The day that I met Jesus, he said, you're no longer going to fish. But I'm going to make you a fisher of man. You're going to fish after men. Didn't understand what he meant. Oh, but I do now. I understand that you're here this morning. And if you don't know Jesus, there's a reality of heaven and hell for each of us. Jesus went to the cross so that we could have a relationship with him. There's a reality here this morning that if you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you don't have a relationship with him for yourself, Jesus said, you're lost. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one gets to heaven. No one comes to the Father except through him. How is it with your soul today? How is it between you and Jesus today? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.